Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Good. It is good to be here with you guys. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Kevin McNeil, as they said a million times, and uh, I am planting a church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Uh, but really, that's not true. What I should say is that we are planting a church in Goldsboro because I came to Movement when we very like started at the very beginning, and uh, you guys got behind us. You have helped us. You've been generous to us. Uh, you're sending a team of people my way, and I'm definitely going to put all of you to work. Uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and I'm just saying we couldn't do what we do without churches, without people like you. Uh, we are getting so ready to launch our church this September, and I just had a. I didn't have the baby. My wife and I. My wife had a baby uh, two weeks ago, and so if I look a little tired, it's because I am. Uh, but, but I'm excited to, uh, to be here with you guys. I'm excited to hang out with you once more. Uh, I have this rule. I know we just prayed. Oh, hey, to Facebook. I forget. There's a camera in front of me. Uh, I have this rule in my life whenever I preach. I, I have to pray. And so if you would, uh, let's go to God one more time in prayer. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you uh, for your mercy, for your grace. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning as we dive into your word. I pray that you would give us your spirit and help us to understand what you want us to understand. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This morning, I want to tell you a story about probably one of the weirdest gifts I think I've ever given anyone in my entire life. Uh, I was 14 years old, it was December, and I was shopping for Christmas presents for my family. And, and my list, it really wasn't long, it was my mom, my dad, and my two sisters. And so there I was, 14 years old, I had worked hard, I had $80 to my name, and I was in the middle of Walmart shopping for my family. <clears throat> I, I went to the hunting section, and I found uh, a present for my dad, it was one of those, <clears throat> it's not a knife, but it's, it has a knife on it. You know what I'm talking about? I don't even know what they're called. They got like a corkscrew on it. It's got a million things. What is it? Multi-tool. A multi-tool. Yeah, I, I bought him a multi-tool. And so found that. It was only 10 bucks. Threw it in the buggy. I was like, sweet. All right. Scratch that off the list. Okay. I walk by the electronics and, you know, it's back in the day, right? I see a Spice Girl CD. I'm like, my sisters love Spice Girls. Take it. Throw it in the cart. It's only $10. I'm making out pretty good, right? I've already gotten uh, everyone except my mom off this list, and I've only spent $20. I still have all this money left. And so I'm walking around looking for my mom a gift, and finally I walk by this, uh, uh, it's like this jewelry cabinet where you can look in, and I see this beautiful, it's like this beautiful locket. And it's in the shape of a heart, and it says, like, mom and son or something like that. And then you, you open it up, and you can put your picture and her picture in there, and it's $40. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. My mom is going to love this. And so I say, absolutely, I want this gift. And so I get it, I put it in the cart, and I am good to go. And I still have $20 left. Now, if you are anything like me as a kid, I'm not leaving Walmart when I got $20 left, right? Like, I have to blow this money. I can't just save it. And so now I'm shopping for myself. I'm hanging out. I'm walking around. And I go past the games. And it was almost like light shining down from heaven through this glass case. 
I see three holy letters just screaming my name. I see WWE Raw versus SmackDown. And I'm like, yo, that is the grace. And, and I don't know if you remember this. Uh, back in the day, you could go up and you could play video games, right? They would have the controller and you could get like a sample. And I sampled it. And it was amazing. And I said, man, I can't just sample this. I have to have all of it. And so I'm excited. I look at the price tag. It's $50. And I look at my cart. Let's be honest. I look at my mom's gifts. And I say, ah. and I look at this game. And I look at this gift, and I look at this game, and I start doing this thing in my head. You know what I'm talking about? You start, like, convincing yourself that what you are doing, even though you know it's wrong, what you're doing is right. I look at this gift, and I'm like, look, my mom, she has so much jewelry, you know? Like, where would she even put this? It's from Walmart. What if it turns her neck green and, like, it's fake, and I, I get her embarrassed in front of her friends? I think my mom would want me to be happy, you know, spend my hard-earned money on something that I, I want. And so after a little bit of convincing, I take this game, throw it in the buggy, and I put my mom's gift back. And if I'm honest with you, I'm stoked. Because I got me a game. I'm going to go home. I'm going to play. It's gonna, I'm going to have a blast later. But I still need to get my mom something. I think I maybe have like 5 to $10 at this point. And uh, I, to this day, got my mom the weirdest gift I have ever gotten anyone. Uh, Christmas Day comes. And uh, my dad, you know, he opens his present up, and it's that multi-tool, and he's like, oh, thanks, son, I appreciate it, this is what I always wanted. And uh, I said, yeah, that's fine, dad. And my sisters, they open up their CD, oh, my goodness, thanks, Kevin. And so I'm like, yeah, it's great, and I'm glad that they enjoy their gift, but it, it, the, the core of me is just kind of like, ah, I want to hurry up and get this over with. Because my mom is about to open this, and she takes it, and she, like, prolongs the process, you know. She's, like, shaking it. I wonder what it is. I'm like, no, you don't, you don't want to know what it is. And she's, she's carefully unwrapping it, saving it, you know, saving the wrapping paper and undoing the bow. And uh, finally, she opens that thing up. And I will never forget the sheer look of confusion on my mom's face. I have it. Hang on. I'm going to step back here. I'm not joking. I say that I bought my mom a squeegee. I bought my mom a squeegee. I did. You, I know you're looking like this, but it is real. And when she pulled it out, I think she thought I was joking, okay? Because, like, the standard had been set. Like, Kevin knows how to give good gifts, okay? He just bought two really good gifts, and she opens it up, and she's like, you know, like, what, what do you do? She's about to laugh. And then she sees my face and realizes, like, no, this is what my son really bought me, a squeegee. And then she jumped back into mom mode, and she said something that just made, like, as if I already didn't feel incredibly small. She said something that made me feel way worse. She looked at it, and she said, I've been wanting one of these. And I'm like, no, you haven't, Mom. You have not. Well, I felt so bad, you know? Listen, <laughs> if I'm honest with you, though, if I'm dead honest, it really didn't take much out of me to choose me over my mom. Like, I, I don't think I had to think twice about choosing me, really, 
over anyone. I think all of us in here as people, it is our natural default setting to just be selfish. Like it's our natural default setting to think of me, 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 and no one else. And so it's easy to choose me over my mom. We see this in little kids. Like if you got a little kid, uh, you let them play with like a Tonka trunk or a toy or something. You let this kid play with a toy and then leave it. Let another kid come and play with that toy. This other little kid's going to come back. No, I was playing with it. And it's like, no, you weren't. And we laugh and we get in there and we teach them how to share and how to be nice. But the problem is that as we get older, if that selfishness that's in us, if it's left untreated, it grows and it gets deeper and deeper. And it leads us to some pretty dark and dangerous places. I mean, we are just naturally selfish people. I'm a selfish person. I would argue that you are a selfish person. We're all selfish. We're selfish with our time. I mean, I work a lot, and this is my only day off. And there's no way that I'm going to use my only day off to help someone or to serve or to volunteer, to go to Goldsboro and work on a mission trip. I ain't got time for that. You see, we're selfish with our time. We're selfish with our money. You say, man, I work so hard, and I've earned these dollars, and I want to do what I want to do. There's no way I'm going to give this money to this guy on the corner. Let that guy go get a job and work hard like me. There's no way that I'm giving my money to an organization. There's no way that I'm tithing to a church. I mean, even at church, we could be somewhat selfish. We go to a church, we say, man, I liked it, and and it was okay, but I don't think I'm going to go back because... I didn't get anything out of it. Man, that dude was funny, and he bought his mom a squeegee, but you know, at the end of the service, he didn't come up and talk to me. And it's this world of me, 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 me. If you have your Bibles, I think God has something to say about this. If you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 4. Starting way back, first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4, and uh, we're going to be starting in verse 1. And if you would, just keep your Bibles open and we'll work through this together. If you don't have your Bibles, I got it on the screen right here, but I'm going to take a swig of water. This is in verse 1. It says, no, Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, and she named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. Hey, raise your hand in here if you have any siblings. Anybody here have brothers, sisters, siblings? Yeah, yeah, okay. Raise your hand in here if your siblings have ever gotten on your nerves. Anybody? Okay. Pretty much everyone that has a sibling knows that struggle because siblings are different. And Cain and Abel are no exception, right? Cain works the ground. He is a farmer. He's dealing with plants and crops. Uh, Abel, he works with sheep, and he's a shepherd, and he works with livestock and cattle and all that stuff. These are two brothers, but they're very different. And look at the very next verse in verse 3. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he he looked dejected. You see, it's pretty simple. Cain, when it comes time to give to God what belongs to God, to give him this offering, Cain says, listen, God, I'm going to give you some, but I'm going to keep the best 
for myself. You can have some potatoes, some tomatoes, some carrots, but I'm keeping the best of the best. I'm keeping this big old watermelon that I grew. I'm going to keep this thing for myself. And so he presents that type of an offering to God. Abel, on the other hand, says, God is all yours. It's the cream of the crop, the best of the best. You can have it all, and I'll take what's left over. And so God looks at the two, and he does not accept Cain's, but he accepts uh, Abel's. And from us, from a third party looking in, we see it, and we're like, hey, it's not rocket science. You know, it's pretty simple why this happened. And God tries to explain this to Cain. Look at the very next, very next verse in verse 6. It says, why are you so angry, the Lord asked. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door. It's eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Well, like Cain, it's not that hard, man. Oh, I'm backing up on this piano. Like Cain, it's not that hard, man. It's pretty simple. You know, you did what was wrong, and so learn this lesson and correct it next time. Take the lesson and move on. God is trying to explain this to Cain, but Cain, he just doesn't get it. He just can't see it that way. Uh, I was a pretty bad kid in school, right? And uh, a lot of times I would talk, a lot of times, I know, me distracting other people and talking, I know it's hard to imagine. Uh, but I remember one time in particular, I was sitting in class and the teacher was trying to get us all uh, in line. And so she says, hey, class, please stop talking while I'm teaching. And she kept teaching and I kept talking. And my teacher would do this thing where she'd go over and she would write your name on the board. And she wouldn't tell you, she would just write your name on the board, right? And that meant that you were not in trouble. It was a warning. Hey, if you get a check mark by your name, you're going to have silent lunch. You're going to have detention. But if your name's on the board, it's just like a yellow light. Like, hey, man, bad things are coming. And so in this particular class, I'm sitting there. I'm hanging out. And uh, sure enough, I'm talking to my friend. Taps me on the leg. He says, Kevin, dude, look. And she is writing my name on the board. And I very much opposed. And I said, uh, excuse me, why is my name written on the board? And she says, well, Mr. McNeil, uh, you have been talking. I have asked the class to stop talking. You are a person that's talking. This is, you're not in trouble. This is just a warning. I'm telling you, you need to stop before you get silent lunch. And me, being the great guy that I am, I said, thank you so much, teacher. I will uh, listen to this warning and correct my behavior. That's not at all what I did, right? I said, are you kidding me? I said, if you put my name on there, you better put everyone else's name on here because we all talking. And my teacher says, okay, Mr. McNeil. And she goes up and she puts a check mark by my name. And if you thought I was mad before, oh boy, I lose it. I'm like, are you joking? If you put my name on there, what about this person? What about this person? I'm calling everybody out. And she says, okay, Mr. McNeil, uh, you've just earned a second. Why don't you try and earn a third detention? And I looked at my teacher in the face and I said, why not a fourth? And she says, okay. And so we keep going. I'm like, why don't you just go ahead and do it to the end of the week? And we keep going and we keep going. And I got so many check marks and this board is but only so big. And finally, my friend, he, uh, he taps my leg. He says, Kevin, stop talking, man. Be quiet. Like, dude, we're never going to be able to hang out with you again. You're just going to spend the rest of your year in detention. But I was so mad. I was so upset because I couldn't be wrong because it was all about me and what about other people. I just couldn't understand this simple lesson. And God comes to Cain and says, Cain, it's not that complicated. This is just a warning. I'm telling you, hey, you did something wrong. Let's, let's learn from this and move on. But Cain can't see it that way. Look at what he does in the next verse. 
In verse 8, it says, one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. You see, this right here is the most devastating verse. I mean, this is the first murder that ever happened in the entire world, and it happened between two brothers. And I would argue it happened because one brother was incredibly selfish. In fact, I would argue that at the foundation of sin, at the very core of all of our sin, there is this foundation of selfishness. It's this idea that it's all about me. Cain was selfish. He says, listen, this is my crops. This is my stuff. I'm not going to give any back to God. But then when his offer, when his offering gets uh, rejected by God and he looks at his brother who's being uh, accepted by God, he says, man, I want that. And so on top of that selfishness, you got greed. You got a little bit of jealousy there. And, and it keeps building and then building. And then he says, man, that jealousy turns into hatred. That hatred turns into anger. That anger it turns into murder, all because of this foundation of selfishness. Look in verse 9. It says, afterwards, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Have you guys ever done something and, like, instantly regretted it? You know, like, maybe you're in an argument and you say something, and as soon as you say those words and, you, you know, that person hears it, you're like, ah. Why did I say that? You can't take it back. And you just, you feel bad. Maybe you're like, man, I'm never going to do this, or I'm never going to go there, or I'm never going to party again, or hang out with that person again. But you do it. And then the next day, you're like, ah, why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. And it's this idea like, man, I, I know what I should have done, and I acted out of character. Listen, Cain, throughout this whole ordeal, never shows one ounce of any remorse, of any regret. God comes to him and says, hey, where's your brother at? And he says, I don't know. Why are you asking me about him? Am I supposed to be in charge of him? And then God dwells out this punishment for Cain. And look at how Cain responds. It says in verse 13, Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to hear, for, to bear. You banish me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. Even in punishing him, Cain says, no, 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 it's not about what I've done. It's about this punishment. This punishment is too great for me to bear. It's all about me, me, me. Not once does Cain apologize. Not once does he sow any regret, any remorse. Cain, at the core of it, is just one of the most selfish people that we see in Scripture. And so my question to you this morning is how do we avoid this? How, what is the, the antidote for the selfishness that starts when we're little kids? What is the antidote to the selfishness that's inside of us? How do we avoid being like Cain? And I believe that the answer comes from Philippians 2. And so we're going to be uh, flipping over. Last time I'll ask you to flip. We'll be in Philippians 2, and we'll start in verse 1. It says this. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirits? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. 
loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. And then he says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This morning I want to challenge you. This morning I want to challenge you. Think of yourself less by serving other people more. I'm going to say that again because it's a simple concept. It's not like, you know, rocket science. Think of yourself less by serving other people more. Uh, I have been recently challenged to do this thing called intermittent fasting. Anybody know what intermittent fasting is? A few people. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, So basically it's this idea that you eat for a certain window of time and then you fast for a certain window of time. So to put it in perspective, uh, every day I eat around 11 and I stop eating around 7. And then uh, in between I don't eat, you just drink water. Uh, and, and when I first started, a buddy challenged me to do it with him. And so I'm, I'm trying it out. And I'm going to be real. It was hard. All I could do was think of food. And so I'd wake up in the morning, I'd be starving. I'm like, man, I would just sit around all day and think about these bacon and eggs that I'm going to have later. Or think about these burgers that I'm going to make. Like, all I could do was think of food. And because I just sat around and did it, I, all I did was uh, think of food. I mean, oftentimes I'd eat at 10 or I'd eat at 9, and I would not get to this 11 window. And finally, I told my buddy this, and he said, Kevin, you're doing it all wrong, man. He said, you need to drink a bunch of water, and you need to be as busy as you can in the mornings. And he said, fill your schedule with meeting people. Fill your schedule with getting things done. And so I tried it. I drank a bunch of water, and in the morning, I would book all of my appointments. I'd be out and about at a coffee shop. I'd be trying to get things done. And I got so busy that oftentimes 11 o'clock came, and I didn't even realize it was time to eat. I was so busy with what I was doing, I was like, man, I, I don't even really have time. I don't, I don't really have energy to eat because I'm so caught up in this. Listen, I think that sometimes when we sit around and we just think of how hard our life is or how terrible things are for us and all of our problems, it's kind of like intermittent fasting. You're just sitting around and you're thinking about it. It's easy to develop this woe is me mentality. But I want to challenge you this morning to think of yourself less by serving other people more. The moment that you switch your problems and you focus on other people, the moment that you say, man, I'm going to love people, I'm going to serve people, I'm going to help someone else that's going through an even tougher time than me, the moment that you do that, your problems, all of your life's worries, they just don't seem that big anymore. And so this morning I encourage you, think of others, think of yourself less by serving others more. But how do you do that? Like how do we practically leave here and do this? I would just say three things. Number one, be kind. Be nice. I know, again, it's not rocket science, but I think it's something that's being lost in our culture is this idea of, hey, we just want to be kind to each other. We want to be nice to each other. Uh, I'm a church planner, and so that means every day you can find me in a Starbucks or a Panera Bread or some sort of coffee shop. Pretty much, you got Wi-Fi and you can give me coffee, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be killing some work. All right. Uh, and one time I was in Starbucks when I got to Goldsboro, I was in Starbucks, and uh, the, I guess somebody from the drive-thru, they had messed up their order. 
So the guy came in, and he was in front of me, and he just ripped this poor little girl, right? He just said, man, you know, what's wrong with this establishment? You guys are so, you know, unorganized, and he's all mad, and he wants a refund, but he also wants his drink. He's, he's upset. And finally, he gets, you know, his order done, and he leaves, and it's my turn. And I walk up to the counter, and this girl who had just been put through the ringer with this guy, you know, she's, like, looking down at the screen, and she doesn't look up at me at all. She's just, like, ready to take my order. And so I walk up to her, and I say, uh, I say, hey, good morning. How are you? And she looked at me so confused. And I had to say it again. I said, say, how you doing? You doing good? And she looked at me, and she was like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. How are you? I was like, yeah, I'm doing good. Life's good. And uh, she, I said, she said, how can I help you? I said, I just want a cup of black coffee. I'm a simple guy, black coffee. And then immediately her look of confusion turned into, like, flinching like please don't hate me she says sir i'm so sorry uh we're out of coffee we're brewing some it's going to be five to ten minutes before we can get you some and i said hey that's totally fine i'm gonna be over there in that corner just tell me when it's done i can come up and pay for it or pay for it now whatever you want to do and so she said okay i go over there put my headphones in i'm crushing some work and uh, a few minutes later she comes back and she gives me this uh large Frappuccino, cookie crumble, iced caramel. I don't even know. Like all that, the most bougie drink I've ever seen in my life, right? I don't drink that stuff. She puts it down in front of me. And I looked at her, and now I was confused. And I was like, what is this? And she said, uh, well, you know what? I just, I just want you to know, man, you were like the nicest guy. And so I, I, I bought this with my own money, and I wanted you to have it. And I looked at her, and I wanted to say, I just want a black cup of coffee, <laughs> but I didn't say that. I drank that thing, and man, I got so much work done, dude. There is nothing but sugar and caffeine. I was pumping out a million sermons. I was like, this is amazing, right? But I'm telling you, she thought that I was so nice. All I did was say good morning, and how are you doing? Like, it's a lost art in our culture to just be nice to people. So when you go out and when you're eating, Say hey to your server. Get to know their name. Talk to people at the gas station. Listen, I think people are all, all around us, and I think people are way more fragile than they'd like to admit. And so treat people with love. Treat people with respect. Just be nice to people. Think of yourself less by serving others more. So number one is uh, to, to be nice. Number two is to be patient. Be patient. We meet in a movie theater. I, this is like a cool little wedding spot. Uh, but we meet in a movie theater, and it's a great spot. The only problem is uh, we don't have any Wi-Fi. And so we went to Verizon, and we bought a little hot spot to do our kids' ministry stuff. And uh, I had to wait. Like, I, I know that I'm becoming more and more impatient in my life because I had to wait a whole 10 seconds for something to load. And it felt like 10 years. And, uh, you know, I was so angry that this signal that went up to space and came back down was taking so long. I was about to cancel Verizon. And then I had to, like, stop and be like, no, 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 I need to calm down a little bit. And so we live in a society and a culture where everything is just instant right here, right now. You don't even have to get up and change movies anymore on your TV. Netflix literally does it for you. And they'll give you a timer. Like, everything is instant. We got to learn that people are not like that and that we require some patience and some love and some forgiveness. Which brings me to my, my last point is, uh, man, you got to forgive. You got to forgive people. Uh, later in Philippians 2, he says in verse 6, he says, Though he was God, talking about Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. 
while he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God has elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Think of yourself less by serving others more. You've got to forgive people. God has forgiven you of all your junk, all your mess, all these mistakes. God has wiped your slate clean. And so you now have the opportunity to forgive people. It's not that you have to. It's that you get to. You've experienced this love. You've experienced this forgiveness. And so we as a church, we're going to think of ourselves less by serving other people more. Imagine, just imagine, if we left today. If you left today, if you said, you know, I'm going to put this into practice, I'm going to do it, I'm going to stop thinking so much of my life, I'm going to start thinking of other people. Imagine the peace that would come in your life. All of your stress and worry, it really won't seem that much when you start dealing with other people, when you start dealing with other people's situations. Imagine the peace that you would experience. Imagine the fulfillment and the purpose that you would get. I mean, Jesus says it's better to give than it is to receive. I would argue that that WWE game, it was cool for a while, but it, it would have been way more fulfilling to see my mom open up that present. I mean, imagine the, 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 the fulfillment that you would get with, with serving other people. Imagine if we all left. If every single one of us in here, we left and we said, you know what, I'm going to serve other people more. I'm going to think of myself less. Imagine the impact that we would have on this community, that we'd have on this city, that we'd have on this state. Think of yourself less by serving other people more. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your uh, grace, for your second chances, for the times that we are incredibly selfish, God, those times that you've forgiven us. Uh, God, I pray, Father, for this church. I pray that you would watch over them. I pray for people uh, that are here today that when they leave, that they won't just say they heard a great message and not do anything about it, but that when we leave, we can put it into practice and that we can be known as people who are kind and, and nice to other people. We can be known as people who are patient and we can be known as people who are forgiving others, quick to forgive others the same way that you are quick to forgive us. God, we love you and we serve you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.